0: This podcast is brought to you by Indio Technologies. Indio software helps agencies save time and money by turning the application and renewal process into digitally
1: enhanced online forms. Take all your applications, put them into one electronic form, send that electronic form to your client, and Indio software will populate back to all those applications.
0: Yeah, I'm going to add, um, I was just on the NetView income form and somebody had asked a question about Indio and current user uh, wrote this back. I just copied it out. We are using Indio and absolutely love it. It's a way of automating, managing and streamlining the application process. Uh, so that's from an actual user. You can learn more about Indio and register for a one-on-one demo at www.useindio.com slash podcast. That's www.useindio.com slash podcast. Welcome to the Digital Broker Podcast with Steve Anderson and Ryan Deeds, where we help agents and brokers drive profitability through operational excellence. I'm Steve Anderson, here with my co-host, Ryan Deeds, and welcome to our next episode of the Digital Broker Podcast. Hey Ryan?
1: Hey, Steve. What's up, man? Hey, what are we talking about today? Today, you know, I thought we would have a discussion about operational teams and when it's right to bring on certain staff, because... Almost all all of our agencies that we're talking to are in some form of growth mode, and I, I get a lot of questions about, hey, is it time for us to hire uh, an operations person, or is it time for us to hire an HR person? And from my experience with agencies, especially in uh, above ten, fifteen million dollars, that operations team is the the doers of the organization. They're the folks that have the power to enact change systemically through the agency um with the right support from leadership but having an understanding of you know if you're if you're a 20 million agency and you don't have an HR individual there may be indicators that you can look at to say maybe it's time to bring on an HR person okay so so let's back up just a little mm-hmm. bit and uh, define what you mean by operational team so in my from my experience an operational team would be high level managers that control specific areas of influence in the organization. And so the typical layout that I see in large shops are you know your your employee benefits vice president, the, the person that is running the employee benefits team, your commercial lines, vice president, your loss control, vice president, your COO who oversees all of that, your CIO, your HR director, right? So they are a layer that sits be- between the leaders and owners of the organization and the staff. They are the ones that translates the vision that the owners say, we want to be at this place. And your operations team work together to be able to enact those that vision through tactical work and kind of lay the tactical steps out to get there. Mm-hmm. So when, that's when, when I talk about an operational team. I mean, the biggest joys um, that I've had in my career have been working and fighting beside my the, this group because we can substantially influence an organization and make it better for our employees, better for our clients and better for their organization as a whole.
0: Okay. So, let's let's start from a startup, small agency. Sure. Mm, I it, it, do you think it's accurate to say that most agencies start when a producer as an as, uh, old book I've re- read and still love, Michael Gerber's The Entrepreneurial Myth, and uh, what he said was that entrepreneurs actually have a entrepreneurial seizure. A lot of times they're technicians who mm-hmm. do a job really, really well who say, I can do it better. Mm-hmm. That, that may or may not be true, but certainly producers, I think the vast majority of the time are the ones who kind of have the drive and the goal to, to start an agency. They go out and sell. Mm -hmm. They're really skilled at that process. And as the agency grows, that starts changing because now they have different roles they need to take a look at. So kind of where in an agency's growth do you see um, the need for various positions, I would say,
1: or team members? Well, I think we just talked through the situation that you just had. So, you know, if you have a producer that comes on the scene – he thinks that he, he has a good understanding of risk management and he can sell to a specific segment of clients. A lot of that is he's going to do more for the 12, 15 clients that he, than any other agency could ever think about doing. He knows those guys. He knows the owners. He does all kinds of stuff with them and he makes all kinds of promises that at that size he can absolutely fulfill. The challenge becomes, and so typically he's going to have an account manager or maybe two account managers that are working with him, and they're going to be fulfilling a whole ton of roles. Mm-hmm. They're going to be doing accounting. They're going to be doing account management. They're going to be doing certificates. They're going to be doing anything else that falls under that purview. So and maybe that's a million-dollar book. Maybe it gets to $2 million even with that small team. At that point, I think you start having some real rattling on the rails, as I call it, right, where the train's not off the tracks yet but you know if you don't make some significant changes that it's unsustainable. And so that's when we start to get into okay, we want to grow this business, I need to go get another producer, right? I bring mm-hmm. another producer on. They're going to need service staff. Before you know it, now you've got a 4 million dollar book of business with maybe 10 to 12 staff members. Well, at that point it's time to start looking because if all your staff members are are doing their own thing, going in their own direction, Maybe the two or three producers have a vision. They're the owners. They have a vision. We want to grow by X percentage, or we want to provide the best customer service to X class of business. How do they do that when they're trying to sell that business and they're trying to manage the the other staff that they have in place? It's it, it starts, in especially when their specific skill set is not based on the details, right? right. Yep. The, the I mean, the producers are awesome because they sell business and they can relate to people and they can get pe- the trust. Most of the time, they are not super detail-oriented individuals that want to sit through three different operational options to choose the best path that's going to net you a, a small percentage of change on the positive side. That's not, the, that's not where they want to be. So to, in my opinion, you know, when you hit that like three to four to five million inflection point. You've got to start, because you probably have an office manager at that point. Well, I was right? I
0: was just th- going to ask. So right. it's somewhere in that range you start identifying an individual typically who is the person, kind of the, the, the layer, That's the, right. f- the first layer between staff and
1: owner. And it may not point. have been a hire. This may have been somebody who grew into I the role. I was going to say, I would say most often That's probably right. is somebody who's grown into the role. And who's been there a, a <clears throat> long period of time and knows all the nuances of the business. Mm-hmm. Right? Because... At that level, we're still making a lot of promises that are not scalable at a higher levels, and we don't have a consistency of service to those class of clients. From from my experience, which becomes extremely problematic as you try to grow profitably. Right, right. standardization and was what drives efficiencies, and so having non standard work practices is a, is a big challenge which is okay at a small in a in a small organization but it doesn't work at all larger. So yes, you have your office manager that grew into the role and at some point there's a hard conversation that has to be had. Is that person the right fit? Is that person able to identify you probably have team leaders at that point, right? You have an office manager and some team leaders. They may be nothing more than the person that you're that the office manager is saying, "Hey, this is what you need to do." Mm-hmm. And then they have two or three people working underneath them that are doing those tasks. But as you grow, you you may have to make a change or bring somebody outside in. And that's one of my questions is, you know, do you think that that COO, that office manager, is that the first key person? Is it the CFO? Because it's one of those two, right? It's it's probably going to be a financial person or an operations person. Operations person. And so
0: COO, just to be clear, uh, chief operating officer, mm-hmm. office
1: manager grow into COO? Or
0: COO is a different type of person.
1: I think the right person for COO. I've seen that happen. I've seen an office manager grow into an effective COO. And some of the best COOs I've ever worked for, the best I've ever worked for, K-Lat, um, is has sat in every seat in that office. Mm-hmm. And the, so has an intimate knowledge of what's going on at the desktop. So when the account manager says, this took me 35 minutes. The CEO can say, "Well, that should take you about seven. What steps aren't you using? What technology aren't you right. leveraging? What's going off here for you?" And they get way more credibility. It's just like if you have a sales manager that's never done sales, it's very difficult, right? right. But if you have a chief operating officer that has kind of worked through the ranks, I believe that their respect level is is very high. Mm-hmm. I also think the core thing that that person needs is is an air of fairness, right? They've got to be a fair person. And they have to be able to delegate pretty effectively you know? mm-hmm. but I, I i I've seen them grow into it in our industry more than I've seen outside individuals be brought into it for that specific role
0: and is that just because that's the way it's done, or does someone outside not have the knowledge necessary to actually run effectively?
1: Well, I think that there's a, a ramp up. You know, if you were to go and get a COO from another industry that had been very impactful and effective in that industry, they've got two challenges when they come into ours. First, we're regulation heavy, mm-hmm. right? Right. And the COO, often in the agency space, is kind of an Eno you know, warden. Right. They are the ones that are creating the consistencies to reduce the email creating challenges.
0: procedures, enforcing procedures. Exactly you know. right.
1: To, to, even if they're not complied with 100 percent through the organization, you have a legal standpoint to be able to push back if you if you step in something, if you get mm-hmm. in some trouble. And so as a COO from an outside organization, outside industry, you'd have to learn those regulations and then you'd have to understand the work that trickles down from the desk. So I think that it's that is a hard jump to make. But I'm sure every industry faces that. I just haven't been in a ton of them. Right. You know? I mean, the ones that I'm intimately knowledgeable about is the agency space. And so, but the really, the the, the ones that I have worked with that have done all the roles have been better, uh, more impactful than the ones I have that have come from different roles in organizations, right? Like I've seen sales individuals come over to a COO because they were buddies, right? Mm-hmm, right. And they kind of petered off on the sales side. Oh, well, we need a COO. Why don't you go be that guy? And I've seen that not work out so great, right? Because it's a very different mindset. Very different. Yeah. yeah, I can see that. So let's talk about uh, IT mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. technology. IT CIO, right? Typically starts probably
1: at a IT person level because now we've got how many people? Uh, so okay, if we're so we have our CIO <clears throat> in place, we have probably maybe maybe not. I
0: mean, I, okay.
1: I'm I'm I'm. See, IT is weird because you're gonna if you're sub twenty people, thirty people. IT is probably going to be outsourced. Um, you're going to have—that's sort of my question. Yeah, you're yeah. going to have an outsourced help desk. <clears throat> you may have somebody on site that is a hybrid. So I've seen two different ways agencies do it. I have a technically proficient account manager that wants to get out of account management, but the count—we like the culture that she bring, he or she brings—and we will go ahead and allow them to move over to automation. Mm-hmm. That's an automation person, right. From what I typically see. Um, they don't have deep technical chops, but their workflow chops are better than, a, than an IT person's. They understand the workflow. And, and probably self-taught. Yes, definitely self-taught, right. for sure. Um, maybe once they go down that, they go get their uh, a- AIS, I think it is. Cer- some certifications. Right, Just, right. 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 To, to bring up some of that. But most of the folks that I've seen in that role um, aren't, aren't hyper-technical. Right, they're not. They they have a a, and really, it's funny because I think that's the kind of person that you actually need in ten years. (laughs) Yes, you know, I think today you've got to have a technical individual because there you just have a lot of technology here. But I think the inflection point for IT is typically fifty people.
0: That's what because that's a common question I get. Okay, when do I
1: need to hire somebody? Right, right, right. and you're saying fifty. That's what I think. And around I mean, again, these are yeah, yeah, around that, you around. know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be you know a person that is a a relatively mid level career IT individual that may have had some ex- expertise in financial sectors um, that comes in and does your networking, your hardware, and your servers. That's how it is today. And I think that once that person comes in and has a year or two in that realm, it's up to the agency to now to provide a path to better things, right? You got to come in explain and, that a little bit more when you say better things, better, better, because ultimately people come to me all the time and say, Ryan, we, we, we need a guy like you in our shop. And, and I'll say, well, maybe you have that person in your shop. Maybe you just haven't put the resources behind that person. Mm-hmm. I- that was sort of my question. So yeah. training that person or giving that person a path that's to right.
0: enhance their skills. To understand that will- what
1: drives revenue in the agency. Because mm-hmm. if, if I talk to IT people um, and they don't know what drives a- revenue in the agency, we're going to have a conversation about it. Because I don't know how you can be an IT individual that's ultimately a problem solver for the business and do that kind of stuff.
0: Well, and I think that is that is so key in terms of thought process, and I think a shift over the last few years mm-hmm. at least. Big time. From plug and play, we keep the things running. Right. To what's generating revenue and what can I do? What can my department do, even if it's only me right now, mm-hmm. to generate revenue for the organization?
1: And I think that's that the very different mindset. That, well, it is. And I think the that can be a hard transition. A Big time. Big time for both parties. Yes. For both parties. And I think... The, the thing I always come back to is what, as a technologist in an insurance agency, am I positioned to do better than anybody else? I'll tell you what, it's not. It's not security, mm. right? Can I, was I can't, ask about security? So it's not security. <clears throat> I can go out and get an outsourced security firm that's going to come in and do a much better job than I am. And I'll probably spend 20 grand a year on that, mm-hmm. right? It's probably not infrastructure. Right? I mean, I I can probably outsource my infrastructure decisions in a lot of cases. Now, I may, as the IT individual in that organization, I may be quarterbacking a lot of that, making sure that it all meshes and flows together. But I'm leveraging outside expertise because where I want to spend my time is understanding how technology today solves the problems of my end users and my clients, Mm -hmm. right? And in creating a strategy for that agency. And so- I do think that there's a large maturation path there, and I think it's, it's, it's two-sided. It's one, you have to have the right individual that wants to have that uh, path brought forward, and the other is you have to have the agency that's willing to give that path and bring that right. person out. Right, yep, I agree. And so, and then, I mean, you know, IT is just one of those things that um, everybody's struggling with today. Every place I go to is, we need an IT person. We need, they need no insurance, and it, it, because they haven't put the time in, they don't have that individual. And haven't put the time in to train somebody internally that. Because they say they're a hardware monkey. Oh, we have a hardware person. Man, don't ever tell me that. Yeah. Because my first question is, what have you done to help him? What have elevate- you done the, to help him? Right. And how? Yeah. That's exactly correct. And so, and you know, I've been brought into meetings with IT people that have sat side by side with it when the person has said, well, they don't have the skill set to be able to get to where you are. And I just, it's a load of malarkey. Yeah. You know, the only reason that I'm good at my job is because I work with agencies that put a value on. Uh, Making sure... I Training and and, and all those kinds of things. And I think that's the same with any of these roles. Any of these operational roles where it's COO, CIO, and I I would tell you most places don't have a CIO. I've never been called a CIO. Yes. I've always wanted to be. So...
0: CIO CTO yeah yeah chief information officer yep. chief technology, technology officer yeah. I mean what what designates that title
1: so the CTO is typically a person that deals more with the hardware infrastructure the flowing of, of the the interconnectivity of stuff okay right CTOs are often uh, more nuts and bolts than a CIO person is I mean okay. they're high level but they understand how to connect Amazon stuff to this cloud over there and put it together and what all that means. These are some really nerdy guys. Um, and CIO may be at a a more strategic level to say, hey, we need to c- increase our customer experience by leveraging cloud. The CTO is going to help enact the plan and create the plan to do that. Got it. So, okay. All right. Um, that actually helps me understand the. And now you have CDO coming out, chief data officer. Data officer. Yes. Know, it's All kinds of stuff. And so I think that the whole IT realm is definitely a big deal, but I, I, you know, it's a small part of a large team, right? you know? And so I actually think COO is probably the most critical from a, from a standardization and making your agency compliant and efficient. And then you have to have a CFO because all the financial crap, right? right? You just have to, but then the next optional hire is a HR person. HR person. Yeah. And that, that, Often is I go HR for IT. If, yeah. See, I, uh, to me, <clears throat> and I always would tell Cooper this. You know, my principle is our HR person is more important than your IT person because if I'm not bringing in good employees that can leverage technology effectively and have good culture, that anything that I create as an IT guy or IT person will be ineffective. Yeah, it won't matter. That's right. So if we constantly make bad hires. nothing that IT is going to be able to do is going to be able to make that work. So invest in your HR, you know, get your help desk person, get that sorted out. You might have your your COO, but then very quickly you're going to need to move, you know, as you grow, once you get 60, 70, 80 employees, now you're in the gutter because now you're fighting for employees. Mm -hmm. And that HR person, you probably already have a processor that's doing HR stuff, PTO requests, this thing, that thing. That's not what this HR person is, Mm -hmm. The HR person you're going to bring on is a employee engagement, creating a culture of, uh, of awesomeness. So people want to be hired, strategizing on what the culture, how you take the vision of the culture from the leaders and make that real, right? Down to the desk. Down to the desk. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, And then that was my tightest partnership at Crichton. As I looked at the team that I needed to be successful there was having somebody in that the, the COO is critical because they're the ones who will either give a carrot or a stick if non compliance happens. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, you don't have to do that because hopefully, HR is bringing in individuals that are excited to be there, passionate about their jobs, and willing to go the extra mile without having to be negatively or positively impugned. Right. You know? Yeah. And so, but I, I think you're right. I think that falls like, To the wayside so often, Mm -hmm. you know HR is looked at as, but I think it's because they have the traditional mindset, right? Right now, they have a Mike or Jenny in the office that is doing paychecks, that is doing this stuff, and that's what HR is, right? Right. But to remain competitive in today's market, you've got to elevate that role, and I think again now people are like behind the eight ball and they're trying to figure this out. So you see a glut of of folks looking for awesome HR people. And it's really freaking hard to find. Hard them. to find. Yeah. yeah.
0: And, and that might be where, again, you know, internally you identify maybe it is the individual who's processing the stuff that with some additional training, with some additional support, could move into a, a role because they know the organization. And culture, hopefully, they so have some that, idea.
1: It's weird. I've seen that fail more than I've seen the have you? okay fail. Okay. Because it is a creative mind for the HR individual. and oftentimes in the person that's been doing the PTO and all the the financial stuff from the the, the blocking and tackling of HR, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that is rote tasks kind of stuff. And you really need that HR person to come in and have fresh eyes, mm-hmm. be able to okay. give you that's a, a great point, an analysis of your current state from an HR perspective and then help you strategize on because you're going to have an employee engagement strategy. you have to nowadays. You know, and these are the teams that 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 will drive your your excellence. And in a lot of the larger shops, you're going to have your VP of your respective a- areas, so your PL, your EB, and your commercial lines. Mm-hmm. Those are typically going to be individuals that spent long periods of time in those seats, have done awesome things, and mm-hmm. moved up. Mm-hmm. You know, typically laterally. I see them move laterally from an agency <clears throat> to another, another agency. Yeah, um, more than. Because it's hard for, I think, a peer to, to move. That is a can, can be a hard transition to move up into a, a manager right.
0: for all people, right? For, Them for as
1: well as others. But... That's correct. <clears throat> and a lot of times they don't garner the respect. If you've worked with an account manager for 12 years and that person now moves into the VP of of commercial, the way that the producers treat that individual sometimes are different than if you bring somebody in new, new on. Right. 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 Yeah. But those are critical roles that work very closely with the COO. The COO puts a mandate out because all that team, you know, C- the IT person, the HR, CFO, um, not always the CFO, but everybody else, the ops team, we report to the COO. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, that's the person. If I have strife with another uh, manager, I go to them and have a, I go to the COO and she helps me sort that out. Mm-hmm. That's an operational friction we talk about sometimes. Yeah. And then I think nowadays you have a, a lot of times you have a, in the larger shops have a VP of marketing, right? That is helping you with your carrier contracts, contingency stacking, making sure that you're doing, you know, you're feeding all the carriers that you need to effectively. So now you're talking about a team. You're in a hundred person organization. You got a team of nine maybe, and each nine of those individuals have personalities and different desires and wants. You need a calm center. For that. And that's that COO. That's that person that okay. it'll be stormy all around. And that person can help satiate and, and smooth the waters.
0: So, what have you seen work in terms of the relationship of the operations team with owners?
1: I mean, it, that is truly going to be. The the impetus of that is on the owner, and there's a change now, because I think five years ago, 10 years ago, you had a much larger contingent of older owners that had been used to saying, go do this. And regardless of what havoc it might create operationally, the ops team would try to enact it. Um, with the younger owners that are really all about profitability, mm. right? They're looking for profitability. They're looking for scalable growth. They are a lot more inclined to say, hey, ops team, does this make sense? Here's what I want to do. Right. And the ops team can say, yeah, no, <clears throat> it's not going to fit in this year. We can definitely look at that. Let us do it next year. These are the five reasons that it won't work this year. Here's what we're going to have to bump, and here's what we're going to have to upstaff. Right? And so I, that back and forth has been awesome, and that maturity, is that change has mm-hmm. been awesome to be a part of in those operations teams because- I came from an old school agency that had an owner that was kind of the single person that would command. And I mean, the guy was brilliant and he was right almost all the time. But in today's environment, it's a much more collaborative thing. But I talked to a lot of operations teams that are just like, yeah, that'll never happen. Well, if that'll never happen, if you can't get the accountability, then don't do the project. Right. Right. And I mean, that's something that I, I was talking to an agency yesterday when they said we were walking through a data project and said, well, we'll never get the accountability that we need, that that what you just said will never happen. Don't do your data project. Because if you do those projects without the without that accountability in place, the ops team holds the brunt of it for taking it on. Right. If in the beginning we push back and we say, we can't do it until we have these four things knocked out, you know, with our culture, you're going to come out looking a lot better. Because again, the other thing that happens, if you fail on projects time and time again, you're not going to get that trust. Right. If you successfully complete projects, you quantify impact, you can talk about how we move the needle, that's a a much different – it changes the whole dynamic. Mm. So it's it's high-level strategy stuff with that operations team. There's a multitude of ways to get there. I think it's a conversation. And I think the indicators are if you have five hats that you're wearing in your agency and you don't know what success is for you during a day because one of those five hats takes priority every day – that's where you may have an indication that, okay, it may be time to start to defining some of this stuff more tightly.
0: Start thinking more about, and, and almost regardless of your size.
1: That's right. right? Absolutely. I
0: mean, it, it's, it's not too early no. to start thinking about
1: where do I want to be in one year, two years, five years. Because it all takes so much time it, to do. Yeah. It does. It, I mean, you and, obviously want to keep your <clears throat> profitability margins, but I would say that, look, allow your profitability to dip occasionally to bring on the right people because the right people are the most important thing. I mean, especially on your ops team, because they are the folks. Yeah, I, right now there's a bunch of agencies that say we do projects every year that don't come to fruition. It's probably because you have an operations team that's doing too much, and you've put too much on them. Right. Without without or not support. provided
0: enough help. That's right. right. Exactly. Not correct. provided enough help for them to accomplish what the. So that, was what you said. that was my pulpit. That was my pulpit. I feel can, better now. I you got, could, got that out. <laughs> good. Well, it, it's it is critical, and again, regardless of size, to start thinking about okay, what are the other team members I'm going to need in order for this organization to grow and be effective. Right? right. And again, our whole focus here is on operational excellence and having the right team in place is really key to operational excellence within any kind of organization at any size level. Absolutely.
1: Totally is. I mean, how, how do you focus on areas that you're not operationally proficient on and assign somebody to that and incentivize them on making that better Like, a lot of times, and this drives me crazy, agencies give managers books of business. Don't give your managers books of business. They shouldn't because client stuff will always take precedent precedent over over. your business stuff. But your business stuff is probably more important long-term than that one client thing. And so, you know, if you have managers in place today with books of business, just figure out how not to. Yeah, It drives me nuts when I see that. And I see it all the time. Yeah. No,
0: right. Because <laughs> they're a manager only a little bit at a time. That's right. That's so right. we need somebody to fill in here or all, the, all of the reasons why yeah. Yeah, they're handling a book of business. Well, great conversation, Ryan. And, and um, again, hopefully you'll uh, have taken away some ideas about how to think about an operational team uh, for your organization that will drive profitability and engagement with your employees and operational excellence. So thanks for listening to the Digital Broker Podcast. I'm Steve Anderson with Ryan Deeds. Uh, Before I sign off, remember, we have a new LinkedIn group, the Digital Broker Podcast. We'd love for you to join us there. Uh, Leave comments, uh, questions, uh, uh, observations, uh, some of your own stories about your team uh, that you have put together and or are part of. We'd love to hear uh, feedback from you. So thanks for listening. This has been another episode of the Digital Broker Podcast with Steve Anderson and Ryan Deeds. Post your questions and comments at the Digital Broker Podcast's official LinkedIn group page. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review. This podcast is brought to you by Indio Technologies. Indio allows agencies to turn their application and renewal process into a fully digital, modern customer experience. The platform comes armed with a preloaded database of smart digital insurance forms and applications, an e-signature solution, auto-generated proposals, and secure document sharing. To learn more about Indio, go to www.useindio.com slash podcast. That's useindio.com slash podcast.